Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins of Empire. So we got a tiny problem here at Ruins of Empire HQ. Some of you might know that producer Sean helped me record this free podcast novel, but when it was done, there was nothing left for him to do but wander the world like David Carradine in Kung Fu, without as much autoerotic asphyxiation. The point is, we're ready to kick off the second season of Ruins of Empire, which means I need to get producer Sean off the road and back into the recording studio. So to help with that, I've got the second book of the Ruins of Empire series on pre-release on Kickstarter. There, you have the chance to get a signed hardback or paperback copy of Templum Venerus, or you can get Saturnius Mons and Templum Venerus together, or you can just throw a dollar in the pot. Everyone who contributes gets their name in the acknowledgement section of Templum Venerus, and will prove that people actually give a crap about this little project and producer Sean's role in it. I'm still not going to pay him, just to be clear, but I think the idea that I could might just be enough to get him to suffer through another recording session. You are listening to Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, book one of the Ruins of Empire project a serial podcast novel by Jeremy L. Jones, read by the author and Tyler Murphy. The story so far. Arrested by Vince LeBan, the members of the Human Reconnection Project are locked aboard the shuttle until they can be taken back to Earth to stand trial. Easter forced Kronos to come clean about passing information about the moon's refineries to the corporation, and in the process, they learn that their meddling with the refinery's systems has created a potentially explosive situation. Vago and Althea manage to figure out a way for the group to escape, and on their way out, Isra cut Kronos out of the group. Chapter 24 once the corporation was no longer a player on the world stage, people's hearts turned again to deep, ancient hatreds. They looked on their allies, not as new friends, but as old enemies. In its signature flash of optimism and ingenuity, the corporation sold off their weapons to the highest bidder and stoked an inferno that made the global revolution look like a dying campfire by comparison. From the Fall The Decline and Failure of 21st Century Civilization by Martin Raff Vago peeked his head out of the cargo bay door of the ship. The camp was all but deserted now, as was the shuttle. A breeze blew off the Legia Mar with a strange, otherworldly whistle and blew dead leaves from the surrounding forest through the camp. A few uniformed runners scrambled through the temporary shelters on some mission or another, but it was abandoned otherwise. It was as if humanity had just been swept away in the night and left the remains to be consumed by nature. Once he was sure that they could move through the camp in relative safety, Vago motioned for Isra and Althea to join him. Isra pressed against him, too close for his comfort, and said, They most likely took the crates to the armory. It will not be hard to retrieve. I will grab our things. Althea, come with me. I will need your help in collecting it all. Vago, we need transportation. The hovercrafts, troop transports, and lifters parked by the sea were mostly gone taken out to ship more men to some horrific fate on this moon. There were only a couple left, but one in particular caught Vago's eye. It wasn't much, 
just a small loader with space for four passengers, a small cargo bed, and a grabbing arm built on one corner. Vago made one more scan of the area. Okay, I see something. Do what you need to do and meet me by the coast. With that, he bolted from the cargo bay at a dead run toward the vehicle he selected resting on a platform by the sea. It was an older model, with a few patches of fading paint clinging to a rusted frame. The engine mounted on back was attached. That was all Vago could say with certainty about it. Vago plopped himself behind the controls and started the warm-up sequence. The engine whined and the hovercraft shuddered and rose a meter or so off the pad. Some distance away, an irritated voice called, Hey! What the hell do you think you're doing? A marine rushed toward the hovercraft, pointing a rifle, a real one this time with real bullets, aimed at Vago's head. Sir, who are you? You're not authorized. Vago flipped a switch to heat up the thrusters. It's okay. LeBan said I could borrow it. I'm with the Human Reconnection Project. We're helping each other. Just one big team. Haven't you heard? The marine stepped in front of the loader. Sir, I cannot let you leave until I receive official verification. Vago flipped another switch to activate the stabilizers. Well, by all means, call him up and verify. Verify to your little procedure feeling heart's content, but I'm taking this. The Marine continued to hold the gun on Vago and flicked his arm to expose the screen on his own arrow suit. Vago pretended to pay him no attention as he worked through the checklist, but his eyes were already looking for a quick way out if needed. The Marine tried to use the radio when movement in Vago's peripheral caught his eye, and Isra's deadly serious voice said, Nothing sudden, please. Lower your weapon and move out of our way. Isra approached with a small arsenal of three automatic rifles, and Vago's holster slung over her shoulder. She held a fourth rifle trained on the Marine. Althea ignored the gunplay, and tossed her black medical bag in the back seat before climbing in herself. She sat low in the seat in case Isra and the Marine started swapping slugs. The Marine bared his teeth at Isra while holding the rifle at Vago. I can't do that! That is corporation property! Tell your man to stand down! Vago stood up in his seat with his hands in the air. All right, let's just calm down. Nobody do nothing permanent here. They all stood in that silent standoff for a few moments. The Marine aimed a shaking rifle at Vago, while Isra stood ready to send a headshot through the Marine's brain. Another Marine jogged up from the direction of the camp. His uniform, age, and brisk pace made Vago think officer class. As he approached, the unfortunate grunt nodded toward Isra. Captain! These people are attempting to steal one of our vehicles. The captain scowled at Vago and the loader. Who are you? Get out of there. Vago eased himself back in the seat and flicked a few switches on the control panel for dramatic effect. Captain, glad you're here. I need a quick word. The captain pulled a sidearm. Get the hell out of that vehicle. Vago examined the officer for a moment. Deep lines in the man's face and graying hair suggested a man in his fifties. If he had served his time in the Corporation Marines, it meant that he might have some intelligence. Independent thought and common sense were rare commodities in the Marines, but there was just enough to keep the whole operation from falling apart, and it tended to be concentrated in a select few. Captain, listen to me, said Vago, leaning over the side. That attack that LeBan's got going? It's going to be a disaster. I'm talking a Force 5 Bias storm. The captain eyed Vago for a moment and then the two women, and back to Vago. What makes you say that? Vago motioned out over the water. By now, you've heard about the city on the other side of the sea, and you've heard that the Marines already got pushed out. 
What you haven't heard is that civilization is fixing to self-destruct, and I ain't talking metaphorical. They are currently sitting on enough fuel to shoot a hundred ships off this moon, and there's at least one man interested in blast-off. Trust me, you don't want to be here when that happens. The captain looked at Isra, as if for confirmation, and said, Go on. Vago continued. We've got a narrow window to try and stop it. It's a long shot, but I need this vehicle. Either way, I would spend less time worrying about us, and more time worrying about an emergency evacuation. I'd say the chances are better than good that we don't come back from this. The captain considered this. Marine, stand down. Report to the shuttle and order an evacuation sequence. Sir, said the Marine. Do it. The soldier hesitated for a moment before running toward the shuttle. Althea and Isra boarded the loader while the captain watched. I couldn't say anything to Laban, but the amphibious assault was as brash as it was ill-planned. How bad is it going to be? Isra handed Vago his shoulder holster with his two guns, and he took off his jacket. You ever see what a proximity mine does to a squad? Well, multiply the explosive by several million tons and see what it does to an entire army. How much time would you estimate we have? the officer asked. Vago slipped on his shoulder holsters. Hard to say. Be on the safe side and get ready to hit sky five minutes ago. And if you're wrong? Vago pulled his white khaki jacket back on. If I'm wrong, there'll be plenty lining up to take their piece of me. Tell you what, I'll make sure you get first in line. Avoid the rush, as they say. Vago gunned the engine and left the captain behind. Vago steered the vehicle over the waves of the sea and in the direction of the city. He pushed the throttle on the hovercraft as hard as it would go. The engines whined and shuddered like they could blow out the back at any minute. Droplets from the supercooled water of the Legia Mar sprayed up and stung his face. He squinted at the sun just a few degrees above the western horizon. He didn't even bother to inform the officer about the Venganto. Well, he was likely to find out in due time. Isra sat next to Vago in the passenger side, using her Eros computer to hail Halifaco. She repeated the call. Halifaco or any member of the Perfunduloi. This is Isra Jacario. If you or your people are in the refineries, you must fall back. A major corporation force is descending on your position now. Repeat, this is Isra Jacario. Your position is not safe. The outsiders are coming to force you out, and the refineries are growing unstable. Repeat. The first indication that they were close was when the refinery smokestacks started popping up above the horizon, obscuring the setting sun. When the rest of the complex started to come into view, Vago could see the full magnitude of Laban's insanity. Virtually everything the corporation had on Titan was parked just off the coast. At least ten troop transports, a few heavy cargo movers, and several medium-to-light gunships all hovered above the water less than a kilometer from the beach. Althea shielded her eyes from the spraying water. Are we too late? Vago turned the wheel to veer the hovercraft to the left. For those poor bastards, yes. They made a wide arc to avoid the corporation fleet. Vago throttled down and brought the loader onto dry ground. He drove along the coast for a kilometer or so and turned toward the refineries until he brought it alongside the gray wall surrounding the compound. He throttled down farther and moved just above a walking pace near the barrier. Althea stood up and looked at the refineries beyond the wall through a set of binoculars. I can't see anyone there. Isra stopped transmitting. There is no answer from Halifaco. 
She taps some icons on her screen. If he has his transmitter, it is linked to the satellite network. We can find his location inside the refineries. Yes, he is there. Vago jumped out of the loader and unholstered his gun. Can we get to him before something terrible happens? Isra stepped out and picked up an automatic rifle. Depends on how long he has been in there. We need to confront him. Althea, stay here. If this ends poorly, there may be need for emergency medical care. Althea took a seat in the driver's side and nodded. Okay. Vega ran his hand along the wall. Keep close to this. If the worst should happen, it'll stop the worst of the shockwave. Isra, let's go. Vega took a step back, jumped, and scrambled over the wall. Isra had more difficulty, but she fell to the ground on the other side not long after him. They sprinted across the open ground into the tangled mix of steel, and Vago stopped to scan the area through the sights of his weapon. Any clue where he might be? Near the center of the complex, said Isra in between gasps for air. Okay, lead the way, but be careful. This place was a death trap when everyone thought it was working perfectly. No telling what kind of hell's become since. Vago felt even more unease walking between the tanks and through the maze of steel pipes. The entire apparatus groaned with increased strain. Pops and hisses became more frequent than they were in the past. Every time Vago stepped next to or over a pipe or moving piece of machinery, he listened close for any sign that he would have to jump out of the way. Isra crept forward with her rifle raised. She occasionally stopped to consult the readout on her arm computer. Vago, meanwhile, watched for an attack on their flanks. Far away, beyond the straining, hissing, and cracking machinery, he noticed the smell of hundreds of Corporation Marines sweating in their aero suits beneath Corporation blue uniforms getting stronger with each passing moment. They came to a spot where the narrow walkways opened up to a passage where Vago and Easter could walk side by side with room to spare. They moved a few meters before Vago heard voices through the constant mechanical cacophony. He raised his hand to indicate to Isra that they should pause. Isra checked her Eros computer and nodded. They agreed without saying a word. Halafaka was just up ahead. Vago unholstered his second handgun. Isra shouldered her rifle, and they continued with an added measure of caution. They found Halafaka shouting orders to six Perfinduloi warriors. There were rows and rows of rusty metal wheels, and the forest people ran back and forth, turning them according to some order that was out of Vago's understanding. It had been a while since these valves had been manipulated. It often took two or more warriors to turn the ancient valves. Halafako watched and consulted the device Kronos gave him at the dinner. It projected a smaller version of the hologram, just a few centimeters from the leader's face. Vago came up behind him with both guns aimed at the small of his back and shouted, Halafako, stop right there. Put that thing away. Tell your people to stand down and come with us. Halafako, with his back to Vago, didn't move or flinch. Vago. Is dangerous here. You should not have come. Stop! Everyone stop! yelled Isra, waving her rifle at the Perfinduloi men and women, executing Halafako's orders. She released the grip and let the weapon hang by a strap around her shoulder. Halafako, listen to me. There is another way. Halafako turned and smiled at her with the look of a condemned man who has accepted his fate and was looking forward to the next world. It was a strange, calm smile that made Vago's trigger fingers twitch. There is no other way, said Halifago. The Houston and his people see us only as slaves, as animals to work and die. Fate, Queen, Dajoy! 
At the order from Halifaco, his people went back to opening and shutting valves. Isra raised her gun and held the barrel just a few centimeters from Halifaco's face. Tell them to stop. I will kill you. Halifaco looked down the barrel of the gun as if daring her to carry out her threat. Do what you must. That's where they stood for several seconds, eye to eye, both people sizing each other up and measuring their resolve. But you didn't need to have Isra's petronatural ability to read people to see that Halifaco had a death wish and he wasn't going to budge. Isra lowered her gun. Please, we can help your people. The frantic activity among the others stopped, and one of them shouted, Complita! Halifaco's smile grew, and he turned to walk away from Isra. All promises. Endless promises. He reached a spot on a pipe with a ball valve lever as long as Halifaco's forearm. He stopped there and gripped the lever. My people do not need promises. They need freedom. Vago, still keeping his guns trained on Halifaco, for all the good it would do, said, Don't do what I think you're going to do. Didn't you hear Cronus earlier? Don't you understand that you will destroy all of Titan? Halifaco cocked his head. That is what you say. That is what the Houston says. How can I trust any of you? He paused, waiting for an answer. Vago looked at Isra, who seemed to be scanning the entire contents of her brain for response. Halifaco shook his head and sighed, as if he knew there was no answer she could give, nor one he wanted. We have ships, Isra blurted. Halifaco stopped and looked at Isra, confused. Vago lowered his weapons as well, waiting for an explanation for that outburst. We have ships, Isra repeated, to take you to Earth or elsewhere. We have enough space for all Perfenduloi. We can take your people away from this place. It was an act of desperation. Isra couldn't honestly believe there was a way to persuade Laban to shuttle every single Perfenduloi off this rock. But Halifaco paused as he considered it. It gave him some time, and Vago took in the entire situation. The rest of Halifaco's people watched now, and a couple of them, Vago noted, were cradling assault rifles taken from the Marines. In this place, a few stray bullets could be as disastrous as what Halifaco had in mind. He'd have to work fast to incapacitate the madman, and get in a position where he could disable the ones carrying guns. More shouting somewhere in the distance drew everyone's attention. It came from the direction of the Legia Mar. The invasion had begun. Halifaco turned to glare at Isra. I will not trade one slave master for another. Before Isra could stop him, Halifaco opened the valve. The rush of moving liquid made the pipes vibrate, and a deadly silence was punctuated only by the hiss and whir of the machines and the shouts of the Corporation Marines getting closer and closer. For a moment, Vago thought Kronos could have cooked up the story about catastrophic failure as a means to deflect from his apparent treachery, or, at very least, it was an exaggerated product of an overactive mind. Then, every tank, pipe, condenser, and boiler groaned and rumbled. The ground shook as if a sleeping giant from somewhere below had just woken up with a major hangover. Iru! Kuri! yelled Halifaco, and he took off before either he or Isra could react. The five Perfenduloi sprinted after him. There was a loud pop, like a firecracker going off, followed by the sound of crashing metal. Above, the tanks and smokestacks started swaying. What is happening? asked Isra, turning her eyes upward to the shuddering towers. 
I don't know. But I don't think we want to be the last folk here trying to figure it out. Go! Run! Now! Vago turned and sprinted back the way he came. He leapt over banks of pipes and charged through whatever open areas he could. Behind him, the metallic screech of steel being torn apart seemed ever-present and getting nearer. Somewhere above, the sky lit up as one of the smokestacks belched flame into the air. Vago resisted the urge to look at the destruction behind him and kept his mind focused on the path ahead. He left the tight confines of the refinery and paused. For a moment, he worried about Isra. He focused so much on getting himself out that he never stopped to check if she was still following. She was, and she wasn't far behind him. She sprinted past him, nearly taking flight across the open field. Vago turned and ran after her. The arrow suit felt like it was ripping his muscles apart with every movement, and the place where he took a scrap of shrapnel to the side flared up like he tore it open again. Even so, he pushed himself harder. The first explosions from the refinery echoed off the wall. Vago reached it in time to give Isra a boost over. When he scrambled up the side himself, the whole world was lost in a bright flash of white light. The force of the shockwave threw him the rest of the way over, and he fell headfirst into the soft ground on the other side. When Vago's eyes refocused, he saw the remains of a fireball form a mushroom cloud towering over the gray wall. Althea's face appeared over him, and she yelled something he couldn't hear above the ringing in his ears. Gradually, his hearing recovered enough to hear, Vago! Vago, are you okay? Can you hear to me? Vago coughed and sat up. The ground was covered in scraps of metal and clumps of earth. The shockwave pushed the hovercraft several meters back into a tree, and the windshield was shattered. Isra was already in the driver's side trying to start the engines. Halifaco and his people were clustered together against the wall a few meters away. The rebel leader of the Perfenduloi propped himself up on his elbows and gazed in absolute wonder at the destruction he created. Two of the warriors pulled him to his feet, but he never looked away from his apocalyptic handiwork. He patted both of his men on the back and spoke to them. Vago didn't have to understand the words to realize he was congratulating them on a job well done. Vago got up and brushed himself off. The light was fading, but there was just enough to see something rising from the direction of the city. They were specks at the moment, but there were dozens of them, and they rose as one like a swarm of wasps looking for the poor sod reckless enough to throw rocks at their nest. Vago pulled Halifaco back by his fur cloak. You damn fool! You went and brought the Venganto down on you. Now they'll kill every single one of you! Halafako pulled himself away. Nenwi, my people will defeat those demons. They will not be able to hurt my people after this night. We will no longer be forced into slavery by fear. Vago grabbed Halafako again and tried to pull him toward the hovercraft. Althea! Come on! We've got to go before those things get here! Isra struggled with the controls when they arrived. Come on, you bastard! Work! she yelled, pounding the control panel. Halifaco pulled himself away again. I will not leave. I created this battle. I intend to fight it. Vago jumped into one of the back seats and leaned forward, screaming above the roar of explosions. Ain't nothing good gonna come out of staying here. Come with us or you will die. Halifaco turned back to the burning refineries. Then that is the will of the Companio. Isra fired the engines, and the hovercraft lifted off the ground. The Yusa was right about outsiders after all, said Vago. Nothing comes from them except more death and destruction. 
Isra throttled the engine and sped south, leaving Halifakel looking at the fire and clouds of smoke with an air of triumph. He and his men turned and ran into the trees as a throng of Venganto grew close. Isra gunned the engines around the wall and burning refineries and steered out into the open sea. You have been listening to The Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, the first book of The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. Music was Broken Reality by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license.